If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to open to Isaiah chapter 9 uh, and we will read through the first seven verses of Isaiah 9 in a few moments. I don't know how your uh, weeks are going in the lead up to Christmas. I imagine they're very busy and it reminded me that Christmas is not just one day, is it? Like on the calendar, Christmas is one day, December 25th, of course. But in reality, Christmas begins a lot earlier than that. Um, and it seems, or like we like to say, it, it begins earlier each year, don't we? we? We sort of say that you hear people say that. But the, the shopping centres, the TV adverts, the, when the Christmas trees are up, the Christmas songs, the, um, the Christmas sales, uh, the decorations on the houses, they all really begin in about October, don't they? I mean, this year my brother and his family, they decided to put their Christmas tree up in August <laughs> with their three children and, uh, well, I mean, August wasn't really great for us, was it? So they needed a little bit of hope and that was one, one, part, one way they did that. Uh, and, and while everything, you know, all these things are included in the, in the Christmas season, uh, we know that the, the main reason for this season is of course our Lord Jesus and we are reminded about that each time this year and I hope over the course of the last uh, couple of weeks you have seen how this Christmas event uh, is, is pointed to not just in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John but also pointed to us from the Old Testament in different parts of the Bible and, and again we come here to a, a major prophet uh, in the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah, and some written some 700 years prior to Jesus' birth. And here we again see a passage, a prophecy that points to Jesus, to points to this Christmas event. So if you have your Bibles, please open to Isaiah chapter 9 and we will read here uh, what was prophesied long ago uh, before the birth of Jesus and it speaks of one who will come, one who will, who will pierce the darkness, who will take our burdens away, who will trample his enemies and who will reign as king. So Isaiah chapter 9 from verse 1. And nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future he will honour Galilee of the nations, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting, Peace, Prince, uh, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. 
from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time together this morning. We thank you for uh, your word. And as we turn to it now, we pray that we may understand it further. Lord, we thank you for this season and that you are the reason for this season. And we pray that we may keep that in focus as we walk through this week coming. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the 66 chapters of this book of Isaiah give us a picture of what ha- it was happening uh, seven centuries before, six or seven centuries before Christ was born. And Isaiah the prophet has been called by God to speak to his people, to, to Israel and to Judah, to God's people, and bring whatever message God has for them uh, to them. And this could be a message of judgment or it could be a message of hope. And both are seen throughout this book. And at the beginning of chapter 9, we find ourselves with a message that conveys hope. A hopeful message. God's people are currently being bombarded, uh, left, right and centre, surrounded by these nations, of, uh, particularly of Assyria. And, and they, are, they are being attacked and, and, and invaded uh, mainly by uh, this, this nation of Assyria. Uh, surrounded uh, by them there in the Middle East. And Assyria wants to take them, take their land, take their people, take their wealth, take their goods and take them into exile. And you can read about that in in chapter 8 particularly. But for God's people there is much gloom, there is much despondency, there is much uh, anguish, uh, for there is a darkness that, that covers the people, that covers the people and the land. But we come here to chapter 9, verse 1, and we come to a turning point. Like driving down a road and coming to a T intersection, chapter 9 turns from Gloom Street into Hope Avenue. All right? It is a turning point that will bring hope for them. For God's people, there will be no gloom uh, when they reside in the land that God has given them. God's people will be looked after because God is giving them hope, something glorious on the horizon. And so we see this firstly in verses 1 through to 3, that there is hope on the horizon. I'm not sure when you think of instances where you begin something new and there is a sense of excitement, a sense of anticipation, uh, going to the movies And you're waiting around and the lights dim and the curtains just drift a little bit further and you know the movie is going to start. Or perhaps it's the beginning of the football season and there's such a big build-up that it brings anticipation and that really depends on what team you support, doesn't it? Or the beginning of a relationship and the flutters that go on in your stomach as you meet and get to know each other or, or just going out for a good meal. And you notice around, you've made your order, but you notice the great meals that are coming to the people next to you. You start getting food envy. Did I, did I order the right thing? Did I not? And then your meal arrives and there is excitement and anticipation about it. And beginnings, they have something about them. And here in verse 1, we read of a new beginning for God's people that brings excitement and a sense of hope. Because among the gloom and doom, among the darkness, 
There is a possibility of something new, of something different. In verses 2 to 3, we find that those who are in darkness will see a great light. Like any light in darkness, it shines brightly. It's, it's able to be seen in the dark and it draws, it, there's something that draws attention to it. And the nations that make up God's people, Israel and Judah, they will begin to see this light in amongst the doom and the gloom and the darkness that they are experiencing. In times of darkness, for us personally, there are, there's, there's a lack of joy in there. There's a lack of rejoicing that occurs when, there, when we are in times of darkness. And darkness portrays for us a place where God is not, because God is light. And so darkness represents for us a place where God is not present. And so joy and rejoicing are missing. And yet even though God's people are at war with Assyria, Uh, And despite being close to exile and and notwithstanding their own disobedience to God that has sort of brought them into this position, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Soon enough they will be able to rejoice. They will have joy again and this light brings that flicker of hope for them. Maybe you've experienced it, you've been out for a walk or driving your car on an overcast day and you look out up in the sky and the, the horizon and you just see that little piercing of light that comes through the cloud. This is what we're talking about here. This is the kind of picture we get. The light is piercing through the darkness. Hope is on the horizon. But what will this light do? What, what, is, what is going on with this light? And in verse Uh, four to seven, we see that the light will do three spectacular things. It is a spectacular light, for it does these three things. First, in verse four, we see that this light will ease burdens. Isaiah uses the image or uh, uses the image of a yoke and a staff to represent the oppression that God's people are under. And this light will take the burdens off the people. They'll no longer be under oppression. The oppression and slavery has been broken. And like that heavy yoke that keeps two oxen together as they dig straight lines in the field, the light will break that, break that yoke and take the burden. Second, in verse 5, we see that this light will defeat their enemies. Every soldier and regiment in the army is given boots, are given a uniform, are given garments, a, a pack and a weapon. And these things are used in, in battle. And uh, in, the case, in this case, they're used against the Assyrians, the Babylonians and the Egyptians uh, here eight centuries before. But, but this military uniform and equipment will no longer be of any use. Peace will reign because the light has come. The boots and the clothes and the other items uh, that, that Isaiah mentioned here, well, they will just be used as kindling for the fire. And then third, in verses 6 and 7, we see that the light will come in the form of a person, a fully human yet fully divine person who will reign as king, an everlasting, forever king. For to us a child is born, 
to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and he shall, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end, and on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. God's people will be governed by a king, an everlasting forever king upon whom all things will rest. So from the line of David, that great Old Testament king, this person will come with peace and justice and righteousness. They will be a counsellor and a father who cares for their people and, and the king will be a king that brings peace and will protect his people. And of course, this great hope, this light that pierces the darkness, well, that is none other than Christ our Saviour. That is none other than the coming Messiah for those who are, who are hearing this, the coming Messiah for the people of God, none other than Jesus Christ our Lord. And for us on this, this side of the cross, for this side of Jesus' first coming, we can see so obviously what Isaiah is speaking about, who Isaiah is speaking about. It's clear to us that this person, that this prophecy points to and speaks of and is all about our Lord Jesus. For it is Jesus who fulfills these words some 700 years later and now for us as we read it some 2,700 years later. And so as we walk each day uh, this week, as we head towards Christmas, towards that one day, well, let's be reminded of the hope that comes from the birth of a baby boy some 2,000 years ago, that he is the one that was written about so long ago, the one that we are reminded of here in Isaiah. A spectacular light who has come to bring hope. And I think that reminds us of three, three things, briefly three things. First, we're reminded that Christmas brings hope and burdens are lifted. Christ the King has come. The evil one has been defeated. And we can have hope this Christmas. We can have hope this season. When we look around our world or, or what it, when we look within ourselves at what we are experiencing, when we read about what is going on, that is often devoid of hope. There is much heaviness in our world. We, I think it's important to acknowledge what happened in Tasmania only a few days ago. Such a tragedy. And on Christmas Day there will be plenty of people who will in our communities, in our church community, in our wider Roeville community, in our city and our state, where there are burdens for them that are rather hard to bear, maybe too much. There are those that don't have friends and family to celebrate. There are, there are those who are on the streets that are doing it tough, that, you know, that are living in dysfunctional homes. The reality is Christmas is not all joy and rejoicing. Rather, sometimes it is doom and gloom and there is a sense of darkness over it for some. It can be a tough time for many. 
But here we're reminded of the hope we can have, the hope that we find in Christ our Lord and the hope that we have in this season because our burdens are lifted. We don't lift our own burdens, but Christ takes our burdens. Remember that Jesus' words in Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30 say this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I mean, look at the language he uses there. Such a clear reference back to Isaiah 9. Direct reference back there. Words of hope and comfort for us now. In a similar way to the message of God's people to, uh, through Isaiah, we are told that the yoke and burdens of the world have been broken. And our burdens have been taken by Christ our King. And we can hope in that and find our rest. A reminder that Christmas brings hope and burdens are lifted. Second, we're reminded that Christmas means that the evil one has been defeated. No longer does evil rule over our world. No, God does. No longer is there any need for despondency. God rules. God has sent Christ who has defeated the evil one. John 1.5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. This Christmas we may find ourselves humbled because of the circumstances we ourselves find, uh, find ourselves in. And in the year that we've had and through the actions of humanity, we may sense a, a, a darkness surrounding. But whatever evil we may think is going on, and whatever evil, evil we may believe in that we are experiencing, we can be assured of Christ's conquering of it. Christ has conquered all evil. In 1 Corinthians 5, verses 25 to 27, Paul writes to the church in Corinth, for he must reign, that is Christ, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For he has put everything under his feet. Christ has made everything subject to him. Everything is subject to Christ through his death, through defeating evil upon that cross. And while Isaiah points us towards Jesus, it is Jesus who brings fulfilment of these words through his life and through his death and through his resurrection. Again, a reminder this Christmas that the evil one has been defeated. And third and finally, we were reminded that Christmas is, and it shouldn't come as any surprise, that, that Christmas is all about Jesus the King. In amongst the presents, the food, the family get-togethers, the trees, the decorations, the to-do list, the COVID exposure sites, the holidays, all those sorts of things, we are to remember that the reason for this season is Jesus. The reason for this season is Jesus the King. He is the King of the world. The King that we worship, the King that we remember each and every time uh, this, 
in this month this, uh, of each year. Revelation 11.15 gives words to the heavenly realms and a voice says this about Christ ruling. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven which said, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever. Jesus the King, Christ our King, ruling forever and ever. A reminder that Christmas is all about our Lord Jesus. Jesus, our King. So what has been said by uh, Isaiah and what has been fulfilled in the coming of this baby boy, our Saviour, Jesus Christ, is reason for hope this Christmas. Through Christ, the light of the world has come. Through Christ, the Darkness has been pierced and through him there is hope. Hope for today as we believe in him, hope for tomorrow as we follow him and hope for the future because of what he has done. Hope is not just on the horizon but hope is here with us now. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the hope that you give us. We are thankful for the words of Isaiah that points to hope on the horizon for God's people and we are thankful that on this side of the cross we understand that it is you through your son Jesus who has fulfilled that. Lord, may we be reminded of the hope that we can have because of what you have done for us beginning with the birth of your son Jesus. We pray and thank you that our burdens are lifted, that the evil one has been defeated and that you will reign forever and evermore. May we praise your name because of that uh, this Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.